Yeah. I don't work well with others. You work well with others. There just needs to be a clear power dynamic. <laughs> you, need to, you need to be on top. That's what we're learning. My company that I work for, yeah, they fucking are having a fall party on Zoom, I think. And what they did is they sent out a Google form and they were like, we're working with this company where they send you a mixed drink, like a tiny mixed drink in the mail. Oh, wow. They really went the extra mile because How that's thoughtful. what you actually want. You're like, the only reason to go to a work holiday party is, is the get, free drinks. Well, and I they're like, hammered. we have in fact found a way to deliver exactly that yeah so i ordered the penicillin which is honey ginger syrup and lemon and then you mix it with whiskey and they bring you the whiskey as well i'm pretty sure they're like be so weird if they were like here's here's your tea ma'am here's your mix well they in the picture because like but you could pick from like a margarita a gimlet like literally they had every kind of like standard cocktail and they provide you the mix-ins and the liquor i think i'm pretty confident the liquor is included it but, better be because I've seen you mix a drink, and I don't. I think if someone can mess this up, it's me. It's probably you. <laughs> <laughs> but I just like I love them for that. How thoughtful is yeah, that? Yeah, that's great. They're I remember cool I was your plus one to your. It was a year holiday ago. party last year. There's a lot of photos of us from that holiday party, and I go and I get so hammered because. It's free. It's free, and I don't know anyone. And in fact, today is my six-year anniversary of working at the company. Oh, wow. And Good I, for you. Thank you. And no one knows who I am. <laughs> well, it's all remote. <laughs> well, not everyone. The customer service team is the only remote team. So at the holiday party that you went to, we were clearly the most fun group of people because everybody else sees each other every single day. So Oh, and they're it's like, like hey. used, they're used to each other, right? Whereas, right. like us, we're like, party, like, oh my god, I haven't seen my because f- they're all my friends who work there, right? It's fun. It's I a feel fun like vibe. I might have gotten hit on at that party. You did? Yeah, I have a vague memory of that. Maybe I made it up to feel no, good. No, you did. That's awesome. Yeah, I don't think Isn't I got hit. I think I did get hit on at that party. Um, oh, so I told you, Koa had a nightmare the other night, and in his sleep, he yells. No, thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> it's just nice to know he's polite, even when confronted with a demon or whatever he's dealing with. Although I'm sure it's not a demon. I think he has nightmares that his friend Ozzy is trying to hand him something and he doesn't want to take it. Because that's what in real life he does. Ozzy often hands Koa toys and Koa doesn't want the toy, so says no thank you. And Ozzy keeps trying to hand it to him. And Koa gets more and more upset and starts screaming no thank you and, like, in tears. It feels like aggro sharing is what that is. <laughs> it feels like the most aggressive form of sharing. Yeah. What is the equivalent of an adult? Oh, I think, like, pressuring you to vote. Speaking of which, did you know... Which, which is all we've been doing to people. Which is all we've been doing to people. But speaking of which, did you know that by the time this episode comes out, it will be after the election? It won't mean we know anything, but it will be after the election. It will be after the election. So... Don't hold your fucking breath, Yeah, folks. I just hope everyone's feeling okay. It's a so wild time. What a time to be alive. The last time... Uh, I, I'm trying to think, like, what's happened since we last recorded... 
we threw a baby shower. We threw a socially distant, responsible, outdoor baby shower. What a blast. Guys, fun. I got fucked up. You did? I got. I was drinking from like 4 p.m. until midnight. It's so and weird then, because um, I... By the end of the night, I could tell, like, a, a couple people were hammer time. But I was like, oh, funny. Like, just by virtue of not being able to do that, I just assume everyone's not. Do you know? Like, I don't think I'm bad I was, at spotting drunkenness. I actually wasn't hammer time, truth be told. I drank a lot over a long period of time. So the next morning, I did feel a twinge hungover just because of the longevity of drinking. Matt was very hungover. But I wasn't super duper drunk. But we were playing musicals late, and we got I had yelled gone at. To bed, right? You'd gone to bed, and your neighbor yelled at us, Ooh, and we just no. went, "Sorry." It was Adam, though. Adam was really bumping it. <laughs> I hope you didn't get me in trouble with my neighbor. What were you guys singing? For the record, it was not. It was I had no control of the music or the volume, so I feel fine. What were you singing? Hair. Oh no. Adam put on hair, and Matt was like. This reminds me of my mom. <laughs> it was hilarious. Anyway, it was super fun. Dear readers, a lot of you know my dream game for the uh, baby shower had been to try to get a polygraph and make everyone take a polygraph test. <laughs> Couldn't get my hands on ones. But we, we probably did have... could have done one. It would have been just as effective as a real polygraph That's why test. you do it, because it's just a game. Um, it's just a baby shower game is all it's good for, is my point. Um Instead, we had to play some other games that we made up. But Carrie was a lucky winner. I've won. And got to take home a prize. I got to take home Cranium in the Dark. I don't know what makes it Sounds dark. Sounds sexual. Sounds vivisexual. Why did you get rid of it? I, I need things to leave this house <laughs> at all times. I constantly need to purge. Like That's anytime smart. I buy a new thing, you I get try to get rid of two things. That's so smart. Because just enough's enough, you know? And yeah. we have a basement, so we're really in trouble. Oh, wow. Do you have Benvy? That means basement envy. Mm, I have basement envy and how easy it is to get down to your basement. Ours is like... You think mine's easy? Ours is a... Ours is a uh, oh. Under thing. Like ours a, is a trap door? Is, trap door. Crazy. <laughs> can, ours is like either like you can enter outside before it was just a piece of wood. Anyone could get down there. Ooh, very haunted. Scary, right? And then they added a lock, thank goodness. And then there's also one now on the inside that you can go in through the house. Sounds like he's napping, huh? He's just going to sleep. This is what it sounds like, dear readers, when my son takes a nap. <laughs> Carrie and I try to record while he's napping, and we might as well go to the Bronx Zoo and sit outside the monkey cages to record. I don't understand how people do it because I see people record not in a soundproof studio all the time. Do you think they have a three-year-old hanging no, out people above live in them? New York and like people live above them that you can't control. Yeah, but maybe people like actually soundproof the room. I don't fucking know. Will we ever become professionals? Profession. If you become a Patreon subscriber, sure. Maybe. Maybe. Guys, We'd love nothing more, but By the way, that's a team effort. Let's that's be like clear. a group effort from all of Carrie us. I think Carrie and I put in the work, but do you? And that's what you need to ask yourself. That's on you and God. Um, speaking of which, <laughs> you're listening to... Truly. Darkly. Briefly. I'm Quinlan Bosner. And I'm Carrie Ippema. Don't have a nervous breakdown. Don't it's true. Don't have a nervous true. breakdown. You're here. We're going to be okay. 
we're, we're gonna, all be, gonna okay. be fine. Either you're celebrating or you're crying. I don't know, but currently here we are. They're the, both the right answer. Right now we're in the past. We don't know. We you don't can know. do no wrong. We don't know what's happening. Patreon's for real. It's happening. It's happening every month. Episodes are coming out that you're not hearing. Ooh. Secrets about our lives are coming out that you're not privy to. You should feel weird at this point if you don't think each episode you hear is worth a quarter. Become a one dollar $1 subscriber. That's it. If you think each episode you hear is worth a little more, I can't do the math on that. Let's call it uh, seventy-five cents a dollar. <laughs> become a dollar twenty-five. That's a dollar twenty-five. Carrie coming in with the hot math. With the hot, hot, hot mayo. All right, you guys Here we get go. what I'm saying. You get what we're saying. I'm not trying to mom you to death. I just also, if you want to feel super weird, you should definitely become a patron sub because then our little episodes are super weird. Okay, I'm going to do the story of the infamous truck stop killer. <gasps> Ooh, yeah, scary, very spooky stuff. I got my information from Wikipedia. All that's interesting, horror history, and. What I was really excited to find was a GQ article written by Vanessa Veselka. And what was so exciting about that article is it's written from the first person account of somebody. So. Vanessa Veselka is a victim. Yes. Fuck. Well, or she is the truck She killer. She is the truck <laughs> Yeah, actually, she's the killer. No, <laughs> uh, neither. But sort Whatever. of. She had a run in. She obviously lived to write about it. I'm stoked. So we'll get to that. Actually, we'll get to it right now. Great. Welcome. Welcome. Uh, Vanessa's a teen runaway, and she lives with her mom in New York. And Wait, she's a teen runaway, and she lives with her mom you're in right, New I York. Could've, I could have told that. <laughs> Carrie's pointing out that that part could be a little clearer. I hear the note. <laughs> I'm going to take it. She's a teen runaway, <laughs> lives with her mom. Living with this her mom. This feels confusing. <laughs> but always running. Is it, is it a metaphor? <laughs> it is not, folks. She's she, not a marathon runner, to I answer your question. She lived with her mom in New York. Then she becomes a runaway because they're fighting a lot. And listen, when she runs away, she means business. You know what she does? She runs away, actually runs away from her mother. She doesn't live with her in New York. She makes a rucksack. No. She cuts up all the pictures in the house of herself (gasps) if she's over the age of 12 in them because she doesn't want her mom to be able to provide the police with an up-to-date photograph. That's insane. That's crazy. Super intense. I also was thinking very limited. If I did that to my mother, it would be a bloodbath of photos. My mom has so many fucking pictures. You'd have hand cramps from working those scissors. I'd have to get a shredder. I would have no choice. So this is 1985, so there's no, like, FB or whatever. So once she destroys these. Do you think it was Facebook? My mom... You know what my mom does? She takes her negatives and she used to put them in a safety deposit box because she said if something were to happen and things were to burn down, the only thing that you just can't be replaced are photos. She's not wrong. I She's mean, so smart. Let's be honest. I just gave somebody $100 to get my damn baby pictures back. Yeah. yeah. If I but... were Kathy, I wouldn't have that fucking problem. <laughs> All right, so she's somewhere in Martinsburg, Pennsylvania now, okay? She's 15. She's just hitched a ride. She's been hitchhiking, um, and they're at a truck stop getting gas, and she sees kind of a commotion out the window. And what had happened, it turns out, is somebody had found the body of a girl in a dumpster outside the truck stop. So a crowd is gathering. uh, People are trying to control the scene, and she's 
feeling a little spooked because she's in a fucking truck that she's hitchhiking in and she hears people talking about how it was a teenage hitchhiker and so she's a little creep she's on edge uh everything does spoiler alert end up being just fine and in fact the guy that was giving her a ride was one of the nicer guys she encountered he buys her lunch and he doesn't ask for anything weird in return <laughs> oh i thought you were commenting and now he doesn't ask her for anything you're like what a weird concept no but he's that not actually like would let's be... get jiggy with it after he hands her a sandwich Probably both of those could make sense or it's like it's weird to do something and no one expects anything from you hmm, weird well it's like should not be weird but it is a little weird <laughs> what did he want we'll never know um, <laughs> just be a nice guy can't possibly couldn't, couldn't be so couldn't possibly um, be it so a few days later she is hitchhiking somewhere in the carolinas and another truck picks her up and she kind of does a thing when trucks pick her up where she has to do a pretty quick what's my blink telling me vibe because yeah. you can't if somebody's doing you the favor of pulling over when you're hitchhiking, you can't take your time and interview that person or even really take your time and give too much of an up and down, right? It's a really awkward power dynamic. So when they pull over, you have to be pretty quick about making the decision to get in. Also, as my grandma says, beggars can't be choosers. That's exactly right. That's the point. Um, So she gets in and they start driving and pretty quickly... The vibe he was giving off when she got in has changed. Hmm. It gets a little darker, a little weirder. He gets quiet. Um, He also has this sort of arrogance, she said, about him. Like, I don't know, this I'm in charge vibe that comes into play. And he starts talking to her about a few weeks ago how they found that dead girl in a dumpster. He brings it up. And he asks her, have you ever heard of the Laughing Death Society? She's like, no. And he's like, oh, we laugh at death. Um, Weird flex, but okay. Like, (laughs) so she's like, cool. And then he fucking pulls over by the woods. No. Takes out a hunting knife and threatens her with it. And he's like, get in the back of the truck. Whatever. I forget what you call that. The cab. Yeah. And... She starts just talking, saying anything she can think of. She's like saying, you can stop anytime. You don't need to do this. This is your decision. This is your choice. You cannot, you know, you can decide not to do this. She's just sort of on loop. Wow. Repeating that. I will, I will not tell the cops if let go. She's just saying anything she can think of. And the fucking crazy thing is it works. And he just says to her, run. And she does. She gets the fuck out of the truck, runs into the woods and hides, and waits hiding till she sees the truck leave. She doesn't tell anybody about this because she's a teen runaway. And she also promised him that she wouldn't. Yeah, she also made that promise. I'm sure that fell into play. (laughs) Um, But what she doesn't know at the time is that this more than likely could have been serial killer Robert Ben Rhodes the truck stop killer. Robert Ben Rhodes was born and raised in Council Bluffs, Iowa. Um, His mom raised him. His dad was a soldier uh, in the Army and was in West Germany. So um, 
Rhodes is in elementary school when his dad gets sent back home from overseas um, because he was discharged. Dishonorably or honorably? I don't know, actually. Okay. Um, I do know he becomes a firefighter. Okay. And we don't know a ton about his early life. I think it, we just don't. But we do know that when he was in school, he was involved. Like, he was into sports and choir, and he took French. Like, he was doing just fine. He was, like, an active participant. He wasn't a loner. Right. And, well, but he did get into trouble with the law pretty early. And when he was 16, he got in trouble for tampering with a vehicle, um, and then 17 for public fighting. And then so he joins the Marines. During that year, when he joins the Marines, Mm -hmm. his dad gets arrested for molesting a kid, like a 12-year-old girl. And so he's going to be on trial for it, and he kills himself. Wait a minute. His dad? His dad. Whoa. A few years later, in like 67, 68 area, he gets discharged, Robert does, from the Marines. Okay. Dishonorably. Okay. I think it had to do with being involved in a robbery. Goes to college, drops out, tries to join a law enforcement agency. They see that he's been dishonorably discharged. They're like, I don't think so. Basically, he can't find his seventh chance. I would say second, but I feel like he's had some chances. He's had a bunch of chances. So I want to be fair. Throughout the 70s and 80s, he gets married a number of times, like three times. Okay. Someone uh, say thrice. But. Thrice times. <laughs> he has a son with his first wife, and he has a number of sort of odd jobs, uh, nothing really that exciting. He ends up being a truck driver. Okay. During the 80s, he gets super into the BDSM scene. And... That kind of brings out a dark side in him because also around that time we know that he started to abuse his third wife, Deborah Rhodes. Deborah Rhodes and he's a truck driver? I'm sorry. What? Oh. And his name's Rhodes. Thank you. Robert Rhodes. Thank you. Robert. Robert Rhodes. Rhodes. Not Robert Robert. Robert Ben. (laughs) Robert Robert. I can't believe I didn't catch that earlier. Robert Rhodes. So that checks out. That's Gans. Yeah. So Deborah Rhodes, when she talks about him, I thought this was really interesting. She said that he loved this book that's called Games People Play, and it likens social scenarios and situations that you're in socially to game playing. Like, the vibe is like, every time I hang out with you, Carrie, we're playing a game, and I can win the game. Ugh. It's like, isn't that just Sounds the premise like to me is really dark. I didn't read the book, so I maybe I'm being unfair to it, but... Anyway, in a letter to Deborah, he writes to her, I always told you that there were three things you could do, play, pass, or run. And that really sticks out because remember what he said to Vanessa, run. Yeah. Like he's playing the game and he lets her pick run. I don't know. That creeped me that that's really, truly how he looks at life. Play, pass, or run. Gross. And when she reads that, she's like... I'm out. Whoa. No, when Vanessa reads it, she's like, he told me to run. I think that's the guy. I'm not convinced that that... I'm not convinced by that connection. To me, that's that's not not the the most damning connection. 
I'm well, just hate to already pop bubbles in this. <laughs> you haven't bubble heard wrap. any of the damning connections. Haven't heard any of the damning, but um, yeah, that's fair. So before we drop looking at Barbara, the third wife, she also tells a story about how one time she was on a trip with him and they're at a truck stop and they see this teen mom asking for a ride or for money or something. And Deborah feels really affected, really sad and has Mm -hmm. this sort of maternal thing kick in where she's like, oh, how can I help this girl? And while she's kind of thinking that, Robert comes up from behind her and says, you see that, Debbie? She's one of the invisible people. Oh, that's so He's just disgusting. a terrible pile of discharge of a human being. Like, awful. Ugh. So the first confirmed victims of Robert Ben Rhodes happen in January of 1990. They're newlyweds, Patricia Walsh and Douglas Zyskowski. They had left uh, Seattle and they're hitchhiking to Georgia. Guess what they're doing? I'm so sad that they're hitchhiking. They're together. They're a couple. That's like supposed to be the safe version. They're not of just doing a couple, that. but guess what they're up to? What? Preaching the Christian gospel. Ugh. They get picked up in Texas, and Robert kills the <gasps> dude immediately. But then he holds Patricia no. for over a week and <gasps> tortures her and rapes her. And then she kills her. Oh. So they end up finding Douglas in Texas later in January, but he's not identified until 1992. And it takes them almost 13 years to identify Patricia. Patricia because these hunters find her body in Millard County, Utah, in the mountains, and it's not in good shape, but they finally identify her through her dental records, but they don't find her forever. They don't ID her forever. Do they know what happened to her because not at the Robert, time? But Robert admitted it later. You'll see. Okay. There's this 14-year-old Regina K. Walters from Pasadena, Texas, and she is hitchhiking with her boyfriend Ricky Jones, and Rhodes picks them up in February of 1990, and again kills the dude right away. Ricky dies right away. His remains will later be found in Mississippi, but he keeps this 14-year-old girl. Regina for several weeks. Oh, God. And he has this torture chamber set up in the back of his truck. One thing that's super creepy is that he takes a lot of pictures of her. And in the pictures they later find, there'll be different levels of bruising and different hair lengths, which just point to, like, we know that he had her in captivity for a while. Right. He even calls her dad. While he has her to say that he cut her hair, like, to taunt the dad. (gasps) And when the dad's like, is she alive? He just, like, hangs up on him. Oh, my God. So it's the same thing. He tortures her. I just like her. I mean, there's some sort of additional cruelty to that. To fuck with the parents. Because these kids are runaways, so it's every parent's worst fear. Oh, that's just so cruel. It's a power to feel so Yeah, and to be on the other end and feel so helpless. He ends up choking her with a baling wire garret and he leaves her body in a barn and she's found in September. The pictures are publicly released of <gasps> that he took of her before he killed no. her. Oh, have you seen them? They're so sad. She's no. in like this black cocktail dress and black high heels with short hair and she looks 
scared out of her mind and she has her hands up defensively and she's like standing where she's like doing this pose that's like please don't come near me and so scared and he's taking pictures of her that's fucking terrifying i do not want to see those pictures no it's really scary but just so you guys know how common this stuff is as i didn't the state trooper that is trying to identify her body after she's found, puts her forensic description into a national teletype. So he's basically like, I need to know about missing white girls that are 13 to 15 years old that have disappeared. In the last year. In the last six to nine months even. Right. 900 matches. Isn't that crazy? Oh, God. Lest you think this is... Uncommon. Right. So let's talk about the ones that got away. Okay. Because there's more than just Vanessa. When they're looking through the pictures and they see the shots of Regina K. Walters, Mm -hmm. there's also a picture of some woman sitting in his truck. She ends up being a woman from Saskatchewan. Oh, Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan, yeah. Saskatchewan. Her name's Pamela Milliken, and when they they don't know who she is. She is a mystery woman for a really long time. Mm -hmm. But they release the picture to the public because they're like, does anyone know who this is? Because they're like, this is definitely another victim, we would think. Right. But she's alive, and she sees her own picture, and she's like, that's me. She was hitchhiking to go see her brother in Winnipeg and got in this guy's truck, Robert's truck, And he takes a picture of her right away. And she's like, what's that about? And he's like, oh, it's for my own safety because then I can show it to the cops in case anybody robs me when they're hitchhiking. Then they start driving. And at one point, he points to a sign on his dashboard. And it says, cash, grass, or ass. No one rides for free. And she's like, well, I don't have any money. Don't have any weed. So she willingly. No, it's rape. Well, yes. She doesn't call it that, I don't think. Right. I think she's like, I'll have sex with you. Okay. For this ride. She, yeah, she describes it as consensual, I believe. Eh, coercion. No, I'm not. And no, no, me, no, I'm no, not I know, trying I know, to defend this guy. <laughs> it's not a cool way to get chicks <laughs> to, like, point to your Cash, weird. grass, or ass. Wow. Um, but uh, she that says. Is, I'm sure that's more she, common. That, that's a form of payment. Well, believe it or not, after the sex, he drops her off where she needs to be in Winnipeg. So that's wow. that story. Yes, which is so tricky. Wow. Isn't it fascinating? This guy's MO will be will surprise you. And you know why? Because it's erratic. It changes. Because I think it's that fucking book. And I think everything's a game to him. And he it's more exciting for him to decide to kill you if there are ones he's let go. I just think it's interesting that the two, the four victims that you describe are couples. And it's like this woman got in the car independent. And so did Vanessa got in the car by herself. And they were able to go. And, and they it, like, both this, got like, to go. False sense of safety he likes to fuck with, with mm-hmm. the guy. And like... Maybe because he has to kill the guy that he can't let this, the victim, the other, you know, the female leave because, you know, I, oh, it's so There's another victim, Shanna Holtz, that gets away and she's taken before, a few days before Regina is. She gets taken at a truck stop. He shackles her (gasps) in the back of the truck and tortures and rapes her and he has her for weeks. 
but he pulls into a brewery at one point. So he did not shackle her mm-hmm. at this point two weeks in. Maybe he thought that he had enough power and control power and control over her at this point, but he left the car and said to her, sit there and be a good girl. She's 18. She's been on the street for years, like since she was 11 or 12 or something. Whatever. She's a fucking survivor. She's tough cookies. Yeah. And he probably learned it, so that's why he never probably let Regina go unshackled. Do you know what I mean? uh Uh-huh. Well, I think he must have thought that he had some sort of cycle. He had gained through those weeks some sort of psychological power over her, and that just wasn't so. Because... She got as out. soon as he leaves, she fucking runs and she goes and gets the police and she brings them back to his truck. What? Mm-hmm. So you're like, isn't that where the story ends? Why the fuck did this Why guy the fuck then get that... to go kidnap Regina next week, right? Yeah. Well, so she doesn't press charges. And do you know why? No. She says, I don't see any good in filing charges. It's just going to be my word against his. If there was any evidence I would file, I would file charges and sue him. You need to realize this was a girl that ran that naked on. and had, like, chain marks on her body. And she's saying, there's no evidence. There's nothing. I I don't believe they would take my word over his. That's the thing is this community of runaways have such a distrust in police and authorities and... Uh, and, and they're not protected. Right. Uh, that's so fucking disappointing and a- enraging. Well, she's not wrong in the sense no, that... she's not Let's wrong. talk about this last one. This is the last time that he takes someone because this is the time he does get caught. On April 1st, 1990, a state trooper sees a tractor trailer pulled over. They're in Arizona. He approaches the vehicle. When he he looks inside, I mean, it's April 1st, so I I like to think that he was like, this is a bad April Fool's joke. But he sees a naked woman, Lisa Pinnell. She has a gag on. She's chained up. She's freaking out. She's trying to scream. So he, like, goes to the driver and is like, what's What's going going on? on? And the driver's like, you know, this is actually a private matter. (laughs) Um... No. Oh, my God. No. No, sir. Well, so he arrests him, and they find a gun on him, and then they take Lisa out of the back of this truck, and she's got on kind of a crazy outfit. Like, I think she's naked, but she's wearing fuzzy lion slippers. And she immediately starts talking about aliens and mind control and that she's on a mission to see the president. Okay. Okay. She goes pretty far off the rails, but she also explains this kidnapping and that she's been held against her will and tortured. This tape of her being interviewed where she says all these things is now used for police training purposes. Why? Because all the police that will watch this tape will say that they don't believe her and they do believe the guy. When they see them being interrogated. Right. Right? That the guy seems sane. The woman seems insane. But the point is, she was a little nuts. She was totally telling the truth. Yeah. Oh, wow. But the the police that will watch it will say, an act of prostitution gone wrong. Like, it's a transaction that somehow soured. But they will not see it as necessarily what it is. Kidnapping, torture, Her acting a little bit kooks will blind them to the reality of the facts. Because then what you don't see 
in them being interviewed by the police, Rhodes and Lisa, is that they find basically a fucking dungeon in the back of this guy's truck. Yeah. Handcuffs coming from the ceiling and a murder kit that has Jesus chains and cords and whips and dildos and crazy nipple clamps and stuff he used to torture his victims with. She also shows them all her injuries. She has welts on her back. She says she was whipped, that she was threatened, that he said he was going to pull her nipples off. And he also said to her, I've been doing this for 15 years. Jesus Christ. So, of course, this leads to his arrest. And upon his arrest, they find those photos that we've talked about earlier when they search his home. District Attorney Steve Smith says, I've been a prosecutor since 1979, and it was one one of the rare occasions when I was in court where the defendant walked in and you felt the evil. The hairs on my arm stand up right now talking about it. Oh, God So damn. he says that a lot of other people say, I'd have never thought it was this guy by talking to him. He presents as together. He presents as... He's a psychopath. He's a total psychopath, but he presents as normal. That makes it more psychopathic to me. Yeah. Is that like the mark of a psychopath? I don't know. I don't know either. But wasn't there like a thing that was just like psychopath? There's psychopaths are more prevalent than we realize. And you would never know because they're the ones that blend, right? Oh, I don't like that. No, (laughs) I don't don't either. That makes me so crazy. So now he's. Like in his 70s, he's got he's two life alive. sentences without the possibility of parole. Thank God, let him rot in jail. He's at the Maynard Correctional Center in Chester, Illinois. Ah. And. Fuck him. So when he started serving his sentence, he started confessing to other murders. So they cross reference some of the stuff he's saying. What they cross reference is his trucking logs with records. What was he commuting is the question, because he had this dungeon in the back. Like, what was he actually doing for work, you know? He's a truck driver. I know, but you have to drive shit thing. Like, if you're, not, you're not just, like, driving a truck around the country. Just clocking <laughs> around in, Northern, clocking North in America. each stop, and they're like, wow, he's doing a lot of driving. Good, good. <laughs> Give him his paycheck. Yeah. I don't know. Law enforcement cross-references the trucking logs with young women that have gone missing over remember he said they've been doing this for 15 years so they look for 15 years and they think he's responsible for 50 murders so i told you a few of them but we just don't know the stories of the other women or there's no specific list i saw it was just like if this guy is who he says he is and we have no reason to disbelieve that and there are all these other women that got away. It feels like he was doing this a lot more than we think. For Vanessa, when she saw a picture of Robert, did she say definitively that no. him? No. Okay. She didn't. And she wrote to him while he was in prison. And he wrote back, it wasn't me in all caps. Interesting. He was like, do you want to come meet with me? And she was like. Hard no. No. And he was like, well, it wasn't me. But I don't even know if he knows if it was him. Yeah, That's a lot of murder to keep track of and a lot of near-miss murders. But if it's God, true... God, is that the worst? Is if you committed so many murders, you just forgot who you killed? Like, yeah. that's so shitty. That's just like, ugh. Well, if it's true, it means that he was murdering one to three women a month, essentially. Fuck. 
for years. I hope he rots in hell. I hope he burns in hell, rots in jail. Rots in jail, burn in hell. That's the order. He's a terrible guy. He's a sick and psychopath. I, I'm I'm not going to post any of the pictures of Regina because they're too no. sad and dark. But, guys, I am going to post a picture of him and you will be like, yep, that's him. That's what you'll say. You'll go, oh, he's like yep, this, Carrie, yep. like blinking one eye, looking like he's looking like he looks like he's trying to look crazy in the picture. He's like this. It's just an emoji face is what he's making. <laughs> the question is, though, this is actually a question I have, and I'm curious what you think. If you get arrested and have a mug shot, okay, we've seen celebrity mug shots, what would your face be? Would you give, like, smiles? Would you smile? I think it all depends on context and what you're being arrested for. You know what I mean? Like, that's the thing is, if, it's, if I'm going to be arrested and have a huge... It's just I would like, try to have the expression match the crime, to answer your question. Do you think his expression matched the crime? I do. And dear readers, you be the judge of it. Uh, if you don't follow <laughs> us on Instagram or Facebook, those pictures get posted every time uh, an episode comes out. So take a look and you tell me what you think. Take a look. It's in a book. Reading Rainbow. Rainbow. I'm really glad we found a way to end that story on a positive note. Uh, <laughs> wow. Thanks for sharing that fucked up story. You're welcome. It was not my pleasure, but it was my purpose. <laughs> Um, I got this story. I'm jumping in. Yeah, jump. I got this from Wikipedia, Washington Post, Sun Herald, NBC News, Clarion, The Sun. This is the story of the 1973 Pascagoula abduction. Pascagoula. Pascagoula. Where are you, Pascagoula? We're in Mississippi. Got it. It's 1973. Put yourself there. It's October 11th. Koa's birthday. That's pretty cool. This guy, Charles Hickson, he's 42. And Calvin Parker, who's like 18 or 19, they're fishing. They worked in a shipyard together. So Hickson was the foreman at the shipyard. And they're just working class guys going out for some fishing. So they're fishing off up here in the Pascagoula River. And all of a sudden, they hear this like whirring, whizzing, zipping, their words, not mine, but it was like a very specific sound that they were trying to describe. And they see these bright blue flashing lights. And so first they're like, oh gosh, it's like a lobster boat or the police it's going to hear to tell us to move or whatnot. But then they see this oval shape appear and it's about 30 to 40 feet wide and 8 to 10 feet high. Okay, it slowly comes down and the two men remember being conscious of it, but just completely paralyzed like they couldn't move. Whoa. It opens and three creatures walk out and they have a robot slit mouth, crab like pincers. They're about five feet tall. Say pincers? Pincers like beep, beep, beep. I say pincers. But this is, it's spelled P-I-N-C-E-R-S. Oh. Did you say it that way? I don't know. Pincheres. Pincheres. So it's like a crab hand robot crab face. Crab hand robot mouth. Robot no, mouth. The eyes they cannot discern. So they're about five feet tall. They have oh. a single leg. There's a foot but no toes, right? So it's a single leg. What? They seem to be floating or something. Yeah, gliding. But more importantly, they make the men glide. 
But let's keep going over their description. There's an ears, there's a nose, there's the robot mouth, but nothing of it is human, okay? There is some pictures that someone drew of them, and they don't look like your traditional like type. They can't account for the eyes, but basically they look like a bunch of folds, like oh, scary. weird folds in a stacked form. So the doors open, and the men who are conscious but paralyzed are floated inside Whoa. the ship. Fucking creepy. So they're terrified, but something happens where they're injected, and it calms them down right away. But they're still conscious. But they're still conscious. Although some reports about Parker, um, Calvin Parker, the younger one, and I'll get into this later, he claims that he passed out and woke up at the end of this. The other guy got an epidural. The other guy was, like, <laughs> here. But I guess there was this calming presence. So they're numb, but they're going along with it. I can't remember the alien abduction story you told. Barney it's and Betty. Barney and Betty. Thank you. Barney and Betty. This is pretty similar, where they're conscious, but, like, they're a part of it. Right? Yeah. Like, they're conscious, but they're calm. Yeah. Barney and it's Betty not... were calm. The but scary... they also went through hypnosis to retrieve their memories. They didn't have them readily. They black out and then later go to hypnosis and retrieve gotcha. memories. These guys are on the ball. Right. So they're glided from place to place. There's no sensation. There's no pain. And they're examined by this thing that they refer to as a big eye, which is weird because the creatures, excuse me, the creatures don't have eyes, but there's just like one big eye that examines their whole body and moves around them freely. Okay. Attached to each creature is this eye? No. No, it's the like eye a, works it's with like, the creatures. It's a friend. It's a friend. It's like a separate entity that Dr. they're like eye. they're like floating, calm as shit, watching all this, and this big ass eye is like roving them up and down. Got it. Okay. After all this happens, they're dropped off and Hickson looks over and he sees Parker standing up with his arms raised to the sky and screaming. So initially they look at each other like, what the fuck happened? And they're like trying to figure out what to do next, right? It's like, do they go to the police? No one's going to believe them. Parker, Calvin Parker is fucking terrified. Like he's 18, 19 years old. I read one where he was 19, mostly he was 18. We're going to call it 18, 19. He's a fucking teenager. He doesn't want any of this I mean, no one wants any of this to happen. But his goal was to, like, work at a shipyard, make money. Like, do the thing that you're supposed to do yeah. to get a better life. So they decide, they're like, we have we have to tell someone. So they call the sheriff or they go to the sheriff. And obviously they think they're lying. They think they're drunk. But they did interviews of the sheriff and the people working that night. And they were like, if they were lying, like, this is Hollywood-type acting. He's like, there's no fucking way. He's like, they were so scared Hickson Charles Hickson was like very animated and telling a lot about it but Calvin Parker was like silent and terrified and what they did was they would leave the room and they had a voice activated recorder and their hope was to catch them like conspiring and getting their story straight but what happened was is when they left the room the men did not know they were being recorded and then they started talking about the incident and talking about how afraid they were and Calvin being like, I don't like this. I don't like this. Like, I don't know what's going on. This is not like they just kept talking about the event in a way, even when people listening this to them were gone. It, like valid. 
it made it so that it was like they were not acting. This Calvin Parker kid was fucking scared. So much so that he told people, like I said, that he passed out and doesn't remember anything. This is true until in 2018 he comes up he comes out and is like here's actually the story which i'll get to in a later when they're recording this hickson tells parker he goes it scared me to death too son you can't get over in a lifetime jesus christ have mercy like they're just reeling from this experience both of the men had a puncture wound in one arm which to me feels like the moment that they were injected with something and that calmed them down Mm -hmm. Both men passed polygraph tests. Welcome to the baby shower, folks. You know our opinion on it. It's We don't know. So at this point, this is 1973. So this is four years after the moon landing. So news of this hit and it became national news. So much so that people came down by the thousands like with aluminum foil around their car, like aluminum foil on their head and would sit on their hoods of the car near the Pascagoula River and see and hope that, like, these extraterrestrial beings would come back down. A taxi driver nearby was like, you know, I saw a creature with pincers tap on the window. They found out that was fake. Then it, like, sort of took a turn, as the media does, where it's a psychic predicted a UFO appearance between Mobile, Alabama and Pascagoula. So a thousand cars appeared, but nothing happened. There's a story of the alderman who proposed an ordinance making it illegal to operate a UFO at more than twice the speed of light on US-90. What? And then the mayor was like, no, 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 we can't, we have to discourage tourism. Like, they were being cutesy about it. Like, an alderman was like, we need to make a law about these UFOs speeding. Won't that be funny? And it'll be in the paper and so cute. Yeah, and the mayor was like, stop. Like, this is not what we want to be known for. So Hickson sort of took this, the older of the two, took this and went out with it. You know what I mean? Like, he fucking talked to the media. He gave interviews. He was on Johnny Carson. He was on Dick Cavett. He was... He was on the TV show To Tell the Truth. Do you know that, like, old 70s show where I think they have, like, three people and they're all like, I was abducted by aliens. And then the guest has to ask questions and then they pick out who actually is telling the truth. Yeah. it's the. I think it's the same show in Catch Me If You Can that yeah. he's on. He's like, I for Anyway, in 74, Hickson claimed he maybe had more encounters, which doesn't... We don't ever like I don't love a second that. encounter. But 19- at the same time... Strategy-wise for aliens, pretty smart. Discredit him. Discredit him by being like, let's just go back to that guy. No one will believe him when he's like, I'm always getting abducted. And not only that, it it exposes them to less people if they keep bothering the same folk. What I like about Charles Hickson is he was like, this is world peace. He felt like the power of the extraterrestrial world. Like, he felt the power... Let's call them aliens. He felt the power... It was like, they came with a message of world peace. Which, like, I can vibe on that. Great. I don't mind it. Terrific. In 1983, he self-published a book, The UFO Contact at Pascagoula. He attended UFO conventions. In 93, he started a company called UFO Investigations that produced TV shows about UFOs. So he fucking went all in. He was like, this happened to me. I'm 42. It's on, baby. Wouldn't you do the same? I don't know what I would do if I was abducted by the aliens. You, I think you would go all in. I don't know. I, it depends. It depends on how, how much social media I could use. I think that would help me. 
mm-hmm. that would help my case. <laughs> I think social media now would make it a lot easier for people to believe me. Um, this guy, this UFO skeptic, Philip Class, he found discrepancies in Hickson's account, um, one of which was that Hickson refused to take a polygraph test from an experienced examiner. So he was he, like, like, I want the new guy? He's like, I want the new guy. Or like, he gave himself a polygraph test. Again, the polygraph <laughs> test. <laughs> okay, passed. I passed. The thing, the polygraph test, bullshit. We know this to be true. Um, he later like embellished or altered his claims. Like, some of Hickson's accounts are like, a little, mm, he just embellished, man. And and I'll, but at you the same time, yes, but at the same time, how many stories have I told you that are true, that are rooted in truth, but I embellish the shit out of them? It doesn't mean that they didn't happen to me. Do you feel? I feel. A lot of the skeptics think it was a fantasy during a hypnagogic, which I liked, which is like a walking dream state. And then Parker just went along with it because he said he like passed out and regained consciousness after it was over and that he was just really suggestible by Charles Hickson. So that's sort of the claim. But he told in 2018 is when he wrote his own book that he came out to the Sun Herald that he was like, that was the only lie I told about that night that I passed out and regained consciousness after he's like, I remember the whole thing. When Hickson did not make any money from this, like if this was a money grab, it did not work. And before his death, I believe he died. And yeah, he died in 2011. Parker was paying his electric bill, like was paying for the guy's stuff, Aww. which I thought was like really sweet that That's they shared sweet. this experience. Yeah. So a little bit about um, Calvin Parker, the younger of the two. Like I said in the interview, he was super freaked out. He was not okay. He 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 oscillates between it being aliens or demons. He's like, because just because he doesn't know how he felt, it's so foreign, it's so scary. He revealed that he was so afraid that he came home and he took a bath in bleach. Oh. He threw his clothes don't away. Do that. He was so afraid of the bacteria or radiation or disease that he might have given them that he just wanted to, like, he, that he might have gotten. That he might have gotten from it, from the aliens. And so he was so afraid. He said he didn't want to kill people off. Like, he was so afraid. He was somewhat contagious. Oh. So he left town right away. While he quarantined. He quarantined hard. While Charles Hickson was like within the media circus and fucking going for it, Calvin Parker was like, I don't want this to follow me. I don't want this to be a thing. Hmm. So he like left. He got married. He started working in oil fields. And when someone recognized him, he would quit right away. It, like, really fucked with his life and that he was constantly moving. He didn't want anyone to know about him. That's so interesting. He just wanted a normal life. So he stayed silent for those 45 years, and it was only until 2018 when he wrote a book. And he says it. And he says it happened. It happened. It happened. And he, at the area of the Pascagoula River, there is a dedication, a little historical marker that he went to like the unveiling of as recently as March of 2019 there was a new witness uh, two new witnesses uh, Maria and Vernon Jerry Blair they came they came out and they were like we saw blue lights that night on the Pascagoula River they said they kept it a secret all these years because they were afraid of people doubting them and you know the whole media spectacle but I think she said she was like the story is very true that's what has bothered me for 45 years. It's been on my mind for 45 years. Well, if you see something, say, say something. something. And then as soon as March of this year, 2020, an unidentified police officer showed Calvin Parker the initial tapes of them 
revealing and like the recorded tapes and yeah and getting interviewed and he listened to and he was like you can tell how scared he was like it brought back a feeling yeah of like how scary it was and I'm gonna show you I'm gonna send you a picture of little alien guys right now okay got it do you, you know see what, what it I mean? Like, like the folds of it? Yeah. Also, it reminds me of Pan's Labyrinth, which I'm sure you haven't seen. Mm-hmm. But there's a scary creature. Is it one like that? Yes. That in memes they've likened to Mitch McConnell. Uh, <laughs> and it looks like that a little bit, like body wise. Well, like it's just saggy. like sort of like shapeless. Yeah, but like. Not a flattering skin. Yeah. Strange skin. But the Libby rolls. Flab. The rolls. Flibby flab, but not f- flibby flab. Not fat flibby flab. It almost looks like if you were to use loose a mic- skin. Loose skin, but you look like a micro, like it's like a little microscope of corduroy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Creepy. So you, you think it happened. I can tell. <sighs> I mean, you I- don't think that uh, the I young guy like- was intimidated by the older guy and that it was his idea? Because there's there's the witnesses of the blue right. lights, right? I think the the witnesses of the blue lights. I'm I'm as I've, we've heard polygraphs and eyewitness accounts. Yeah, I'm people super wanting to inject of. themselves into. Yeah, I think to me the most damning is that the the recorder that was voice activated that they didn't know they were being recorded and they were yeah. talking and they were like scared. I actually feel like Calvin's going and being like I don't remember anything and quitting jobs and like staying under the radar to me is the most legitimizing of the story. Yeah, I love personally. recording people when they don't know. So fun. It's the best. Feels like mean girls. But that his his version of it is what makes me feel like it's possible. Mm-hmm. Cause I think Charles Hickson just like got a taste of like the media attention and went all in. Sure. And in doing so, he, like, made mistakes about exaggerating. But when he was first telling oh, the story... Oh, he was addicted to the... Yeah. Yeah, you wanted you to... You get be, in that vibe I mean, and you're like, let he, me make the story even better for you. He created an entire career out of it, right? Like, between... Mm-hmm. He he wrote... He wrote a book in 83. He started a production company in 90. He fucking was on TV shows. He went on Johnny yeah. Carson. Come on. The guy went for a media blitz, you know? Yeah. No, I get it. You know, it's an interesting thing where I'm like, what is, we'll say fact and fiction are so interesting in that some people believe, convince themselves that what is fiction is actually true. You know, like I think there are people in the world where it's like they're, they hear a story long enough that it, be, it starts to make sense to them and they believe it. And you think that might be the case? I don't know. I don't know. I really... But Calvin Parker, this, like, quiet 18, 19-year-old who's like, I quit when people know who I am, to me is, like, someone running from the truth mm-hmm. as opposed to avoiding fiction. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, I'll be honest with you. I'm pretty fixated on those leftover cupcakes from the shower. They're right behind your head, and I've been looking at them the whole time. I'm glad. I can, I can smell them. But I can't see them. For the record, but I know dear I get readers, to eat one when we finish recording. I made funfetti cupcakes because is there any other kind of cupcake? The answer is no. no. You, if you're gonna make a cupcake, you make funfetti, or you don't make anything, or just yeah, don't don't bother. Don't bother. What's the point? What's the point? It's a waste of time. You don't. And I want vanilla. I don't want chocolate. I want white. 
frosting with sprinkles. I want it to be sugar, fake, vanilla. Rain, bow, sprinkles. So that's right behind. Quinn brought two for our treat. So I'm going... Do you feel like we should just stop talking and eat them? I think we should stop talking and them. Hey, dear readers, we love you. Thanks for joining us. Let us know if you think this story happened. We want to hear what you think. I don't care what you think. I want that cupcake. Okay. Cupcake time. It's time for cupcakes. <laughs> cupcake time is the best time for, for cupcakes. cupcakes. Mm. Mm. Oh. Oh, delicious. I did good when I made these. <laughs> 